goes. Out of the line, the one-two. Curveball check swing. He went around. How about seven strong from Jose Barrios? 11 strikeouts on the afternoon. And he has spin in a gym for the Blue Jays. Now how about that indeed, Mr. Barker? Jose Barrios. 11 strikeouts over seven innings. The Jays beating the Detroit Tigers. They won the series. Still can't hit with runners in scoring position. But uh, they're continuing to get good starting pitching. And now they've got series against the Baltimore Orioles coming up. Three-game series against the Orioles. Should be a gimme. Sweep or bust? It's got to be a sweep. <laughs> they need to sweep to uh, stay within sniffing distance. Because uh, despite the fact that they, they actually they managed to beat the Detroit Tigers in this weekend... And get a great deal of help around them in the standings. They really didn't. Um, if, you know, if you're looking at the uh, if you're looking at the wild card race, uh, still going to be it's going to be very tough. Uh, right now, uh, the Yankees are two up on the Red Sox. Red Sox are two and a half up on Oakland. Four and a half in Seattle. Jays are five and a half back. Uh, the good news, I guess. I guess, I guess, I guess, is the Boston Red Sox, the team that you're, team that you're chasing, they're in Tampa to play, to play, the, play the Rays. Um, Oakland's, against, Oakland's in Detroit to take on the Tigers. And then they come into Toronto, by the way. And Seattle's got Houston. So if you are the Blue Jays now, and the Yankees are playing the Angels, <clears throat> but again, let's, let's leave the Yankees aside for now. Kevin Barker, this, this is when... Uh, Two of the three teams in front of you are playing Tampa Bay and Houston. You you pretty much have to take advantage of that in order to uh, in order to make up a little ground and then set that set set the stage for that series against Oakland. Yeah, I guess I, for me, I, I'm not real sure this team as a whole is good enough to to think ahead three or four or five games down the road. I just think well, they, they can't, to, but we they can. have to take it a game at a time and you yeah, know, but they, we can worry about that. what they can do and, and you know throwing strike one and and being efficient on the mound and, and running the bases the right way and making the routine play, getting a hit when they're supposed to get a hit, or at least give themselves a chance to get a hit. If they do all those things, look, we're talking about meaningful baseball in September. That, that's all we wanted, right? It's Did we really expect them to, to win a division or to actually be in one of the, the wild cards in September? Not Somebody. me. Oh, I said no. nine, I said ninety and seventy two, but there's a lot. There's a quite a few good teams in in, all of a sudden in the now, American League. All of a sudden now, Mister Barker didn't think that they'd be in a wild card spot. Come I, on! I said that, I said they'd be in the race. If you would take that ear and clean that out a little bit every time I talk, that I'm sitting right beside you. I said they'd be in it. That means in the hunt in September. That's all we can ask for. But right. the, they got really good starting pitching. They're the back end of their bullpen starting to. Eh, rounding some kind of form. That, by the way, was the first series win for the Blue Jays since taking three of four from the Red Sox on August Ooh. 6th, 8th. If you remember how much of a spring in the step the Jays had yeah. in that series compared to where they are they now. They looked unbeatable. They're still, they're 68-61. There were some good signs. Uh, a real good sign, I think, in Jose Barrios. Uh, his performance last keep saying last night his performance yesterday was uh you know gets his ninth win of the year an unearned run six hits over seven innings no walks 11 strikeouts that's the third time he's had double digit strikeouts this season 
since being acquired by the Blue Jays. He's three, uh, two and two with the 373 ERA, 36 strikeouts and eight walks. There was a lot made yesterday about Jose Barrios and the mechanical change he made. Yeah, the change was, he made in his delivery. It was obvious, right? Well, he was not raising his arms over his head in the delivery as much as he was. Well, that's a big move. It's it's a, it's very hard to repeat that over and over again to get you know yourself in an athletic position, stay over the rubber, it, it, which allows you to get your hand out of the glove soon enough to get it up to where you can you know balance yourself go down the mountain the way you want to go down the mountain and throw the ball where you ultimately want to throw it. And that's that's one of the bigger things. But he also, you know, eliminated some tipping of the pitches. That that was, you know, against the White Sox, obviously, when you faced him four times in the season, they're pretty good lineup. They're well, experienced lineup. They know what they're doing. And as you mentioned, that Jose Jose Abreu hit was – that was kind Obvious. of the tip-off. That, that was like a, a flashing red light. Well, we – and we we talked – we talked to some folks. You would talk to some folks, to be exact, about this last week and about what they were doing, they were planning to do with Brios. It was pretty obvious from what we'd heard and from what you'd heard. It was pretty obvious that his glove was in two different positions when he was getting set to deliver his fastball and getting set well, to deliver his... Yeah, not really. Now, now, whenever he lifts his leg to show you the pocket, you know, everybody knows what the pocket looks like. It's whenever he goes through his wind-up or he's out of the stretch, he lifts his leg, he shows the hitter his pocket. So it means he turns a little bit, he raises his leg. With a curveball or a changeup, he had, you know, a, a little bit less of the glove showing when he would raise it... Right, that's what I meant. It ...behind was, his face it was a little two bit. Different, there was two different positions, though. If uh, if you're if, a smart hitter and you see it enough, you could you could pick up when his curve was coming, basically, which is what Abreu did. Yeah, well, that's that's I think what the what the sort of the, most of the lineup was doing with the swings they were taking, with the balls they weren't chasing. You could tell that was frustrating him a little bit. And you know, it's a combination of the the big move that he that he made yesterday, the change of the the hands over the head. And also the the difference between not tipping the pitches. Now it'd be interesting to see against Oakland and some mm-hmm. teams that he hasn't faced a ton, if it even matters. Now I know eliminating a, a little bit of that big move has obviously added a couple of miles an hour to the fastball. Now you could see it wasn't 91, 92, 93. That it was, was 94, 90. 95, 96 yesterday consistently. And he said afterwards movement. that he said afterwards that his balance was better. Sure it was. And if your balance is better, you're going to have more velocity. The sooner you can get an athletic position, he's very athletic pitcher. As soon as you can get to that, you know, get a strong base. When you lift the leg and you can gather everything to get it going down the mountain at the same time, to be able to eliminate that part of it and just think about how much you want it to move, where you want to throw it, where you want to start it, and then let your sort of your talent and your experience take over with you know the sinker and the four seamer and the curveball and the changeup, but the 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 tipping of the pitches thing is a big deal too because now you know with the glove not so close to your face and now you can tell it's a fastball. The glove closer to your face, you can tell it's a curveball or a changeup. These experienced teams that gives them more of a chance. He's eliminated that. Now he can just not think about so much of that and think about throwing strike one and attacking with good stuff. He's got good stuff now. What he throw? He threw. Uh, tw- 22 change-ups yesterday, or 22 sinkers, I think. He, no, he threw 30 sinkers. He threw 22 change-ups. He didn't throw a ton of breaking balls, which will tell you that, you know, he was feeling confident mm-hmm. in the way it was moving, how hard it was coming out of the hand. He didn't have to throw a lot of breaking balls because he was because <laughs> the fastball was really good. Yeah, yeah, and that would be interesting, too. It, it is Detroit. You know, I don't, I don't want to say that in a mean way, but, you know, they don't have the best of lineups, and you can work through that and still miss – Location a little bit if you got a little giddy up to it and and some late movement to it. Oakland's a good team. 
They're going to make him throw strikes. They're going to make him throw quality strikes. That'll be a good test for him. But just just for, you know, the the everything that goes with going from one start to the other. You got a problem, you're good enough to fix it. You go out to your to, you know, to in between starts, you take your bullpens, you work on things that you need to fix, and then you can translate that and go in a game and dominate. What's not to like about that? A lot to talk about out of that series, and we will do so over the next couple of hours. We'll also be joined by Ben Wagner, the voice of the Jays. 6.30, the Jays and the Baltimore Orioles will start their series tonight. 7.07 at the Rogers Center. Chris Ellis for the Orioles. Robbie Ray uh, continuing to uh, make a charge to the Cy Young Award. Robbie Ray will be pitching for the Blue Jays. John Harper of uh, SNY New York will join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the Mets and the, the, the situation there with uh, Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor and Kevin Pillar and the thumbs-down celebration, if you want to call yeah. it, that the uh, Mets players were doing yesterday as a response to the fans. The Mets are not a very good team. And, um, of course, you know, and I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but, of course, Marcus Stroman weighed in and, and you know, said that it was fake news. And I love Marley Rivera of ESPN tweeted, what your guy said in a news conference, <laughs> you know, by yeah. said in the news conference, we'll play the clip exactly what it was about. So, uh, I mean, that, look, that, 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 just, that team is a tire fire. And John Harper will join us because we're going to go through, we're going to give you a bit of a history lesson in the Mets. That, and, and I'll ask John where that ranks in the top 10 list of Mets messes of all time. And John Harper and Bob Clappish wrote a book yeah. called the worst team money could buy about but, the 92 Mets. The Mets have a habit of they, doing they, dumb they things. They obviously had some really good players sitting in a room all together and go, okay, let's do this after we do something good. And nobody raised their hand and was like, are you, every, you guys sure this well, is a good you know, idea? We saw this doing in, this in New York? Now, we saw this in Toronto Can't with be. the Leafs, with Salute Gate, when the Leafs players, the Leafs, and this is a, it's a hockey thing where everybody gathers at center ice and sure. raises their sticks and thanks, thank the fans. And the Leafs, and at one point in their their decades of suckitude, uh, decided they weren't going to do it. So of course everybody noticed it, and it was you know involved Phil Kessel and a couple other uh, a couple other guys. And it, I mean it was. I don't know how I feel about this because I kind of like players to give it back to fans every now and then. I have I have no problem with it, frankly. I, Frankly, it makes me laugh. It's like when your good friend A.J. Burnett walked off walked off the mound in Toronto when people were booing him and he tipped his cap. I like that. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm okay with that. I'm just not okay this with, was the, maybe with the showing team up. figuring out yeah. ways to make fans feel you'd, bad about what almost, they're doing. You'd almost like to say, why don't you get together and figure, figure out how to hit the Braves instead of uh, instead of doing that. But anyhow, we, we can, uh, we'll talk to Harper about that. Um, the point I was making was the salute gate thing was a little different because that was something, a something the players started to honor their fans and then they pulled it back from the fans. Oh. That to me is a little different than than this. But anyhow, we can talk to we can talk to John about that and maybe talk about the glory days of of uh, Bobby Bonilla threatening to beat the hell out of Bob Clappish and Brett Saberhagen Hagen shootings bleach. At uh, reporters through a mm. through a, uh, a hypodermic needle. Yeah, I'm was not fun. sure I'd like that. Have a fun time in that Mets clubhouse. Uh. Let me tell you. Uh, so again, we got a lot to talk about. We'll get with that. Five ninety five ninety is the text line. As always, seven oh seven is the first pitch. Uh, the Jays took two of three from the Detroit Tigers. 
where do you want to? I mean, we'll we'll talk a little more about Barrios with. Um, there's some good stuff. With there, there is some Bo, good stuff. Bo, Bo was good in the two spot. He he seems to look like he's a little more under control. Got to mention, by the way, George Springer is in the line. You probably already heard that George Springer is in the lineup tonight. He will be leading off and DHing uh, for the Blue Jays. Just trying to see if we've got a Jays if we have a Jays lineup yet. Uh, but that's certainly good news for the Blue Jays getting it's not uh, bad news. Getting George Springer back. I mean, I've got to think. I've got to think that Bo would would hit second, but I mean, I should see the lineup think first. So? I should see the lineup first. You're right, though. Bo um, Bo hit his, hit his home run, his first home run since what August 9th? Seems like a lifetime. Uh, but his first home run since uh, yeah since August. See, 9th. I don't he look, looks a, looks hit, a little better. Home runs come, come in bunches. It's about the pitches. It's about timing. It's about how you're seeing the ball. I, for me, it's just how easier his takes are looking, mm. how soft he's getting into his front side, uh, how now the big overswing is not as much there as it was two or three weeks ago. Now he is five. He was five for nine, hitting in the two spot. If it's me, I ain't rocking the boat. You got a guy that's hot. Me, he, you know, he's feeling frisky. Got his mojo back. Maybe it has something to do with the two spot. I don't have any idea, but I just know he was five for nine. That that would tell you a little something. So maybe they should leave him there. Now maybe they have. But it's it's just they sort of need him to, you know, to maybe not chase as much, try and get a ball out over the plate, something he can inside out. You know, the bat to ball skills, the the, the bat speed, and and the hand eye coordination is all there now. It's just refining what you're swinging at, and you know, it's accumulation of things. I think he's healthier. The ball off the the shin, it, that's a little bit better, is the word. And uh, all the mechanical things for me is it allows him to do things when he's quieter. Now, he's not going to be real quiet because the leg kick is big. But it can be quieter. The landing is quieter. It's softer. He's just, you know, he's a really good hitter, and hopefully he rounds into form here in the last month and, and can carry a team. They need somebody to step up. It, the runners in scoring position, it, that, it, for me, that's not contagious. That starts with elite hitters being elite at the plate in big time and big parts of the game. And they need obvious names. I don't have to say them. You guys know who they are. They need those guys to get it down and get it singing. And then everything else will sort of fall in place. And having Bo doing both things that he's doing now is just a, it's, it's nice to see. Yeah. And uh, should mention Josh Palacios has been, has been sent out uh, by the Blue Jays. So I want to talk about that play with Josh Palacios on Friday as well. We we can still do that. Uh, But yeah, Bo is, we talked about this. And, and I, I'm kind of conflicted about this because I guess it depends on what your expectations were and are for this team. But I'm kind of enjoying watching Bo and Vladdy. But I'm enjoying, and I plan on enjoying watching these two guys try to fight through this. Because I, I look, I you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. I'm not surprised this has happened. I'm, I'm surprised Vladdy's power numbers have, I'm surprised at that, mm. but I'm not surprised these guys are scuffling in August because this is a different animal. And um, you know, I think it was I think it was Mike Wilner had had an interview with uh, with Dante Bichette, who's around the team, and Bichette was making the point that you know these young guys, I mean, they're just they're, their brains are kind of fried right yeah, now. Yeah. It's not that they're tired. It's not that they're tired. It's just that there's you know, this, well, you, talk, you talk about two specific guys: the guy playing short and the guy playing first, and, right. and trying to learn how to be really yeah, good and, big and, leaders and, defensively and, think, and offensively. And I do think, but I, I, I think there's something to that. Oh yeah, on the flip side of that too, you can you can almost stretch that into an excuse. 
Mm. There, there's a there's a little bit of that short term of. Yeah, okay, they're young. But are they 20? It's 2021. No, it, you've had a really good season. I understand that the yeah. slump, the slumps of, you know, you have a week where you're just not feeling right. You, you foul a ball off your ankle, your your shin. You know, you, you're you're limping around. You, you, you overdo something on some other part of your mechanics. That gets you out of whack. You start chasing things you shouldn't. And then you get out of it because you're a really good player. Now it's time to take the next step, step to the next level. That's the point is. It's, it's okay to say that, which – I've been through it. I know that's the part of it. And you add the expectations, and you're supposed to make the playoffs and carrying trophies. All of those things came come into mix. Yeah, but- I, I think. Listen, but but I think the whole the, the carrying trophy thing. I think you you've you've mentioned that time and again, and that's something Bo said at the first day of spring training, his first interview. I I, I didn't come away thinking that Bo thinks this team is going to the World Series. I think he was saying that to make to make a point. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily hammer on that. I, but I, this is, I, I expected this, man. I really did. Mm. I am, I'm not surprised by anything I've seen out of Bichette and Vladdy. Yeah. The only thing that's surprising me, I'm surprised at how good Vladdy is defensively. And, you know, we, we kind of put the jinx on Bo. We were talking about how good no. he was defensively with Wagner, and then he makes that, makes that error. He's human. But, but I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with where those two guys are defensively. I think, listen, I, I think if you want to sort of sit there and say things that have gone right for this thing, things Charlie's done well and things that haven't, I give Charlie and that coaching staff a lot of credit for keeping these two guys healthy and getting them on the field every day. I, I, I yeah, truly see, I'm, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure I'm in the camp that you're in about him helping keeping people on the field. That That's up to the player. Like, you'd give the player more credit than you do the manager about that. I'm sure the conversations are there. How you feeling? Do you need a DH? Do you, you know, you, whatever. But it's it's more about routines and working out and eating right and, you know, and what I you think don't Bo, do I, I all think the time. Those Don, are things for me that come into play Dante's, more than the other part of it. Dante's point was these guys are still learning that. And, well, one thousand percent, they are. I'm not saying that they're not. Yeah. I'm just saying they're really, really good players, and it's you know they got a really good team. Like it's, I think that's for me. If you're a Blue Jays fan and you look at their team where they were a month and a half ago and where they're at now, I understand who they haven't had in the lineup, which has hurt them a lot because that puts a lot more pressure on other guys to to carry the load, and sometimes they're just not capable of doing that. And can we also say, by the way, that a couple of veterans, in particular Randall Gritchick, and maybe less so because his lack of performance has been more recent. Teoscar Hernandez, I mean, Gritchick hasn't exactly stepped into the breach here. You know, neither has, for the most part, Teoscar in the past couple of weeks. Now, Teoscar, look, Teoscar's had a good year. I'm not, I'm not saying that he that he hasn't had a good year, and I, I still think you've got to talk to the guy. I still think you have to have to sign the guy to a long-term contract. He's part of your future, mm. all that stuff. So I don't want to go down there. But I, I will say this: in addition to the two young kids, there've been a lot of there. There have been other folks that haven't that haven't really stepped up in that situation and contributed. Yeah, again, it gets back to that. I, I sort of, you know thought that Teoscar could carry a team for a while. He could, when somebody that's big time gets hurt, he could, okay, jump on my back. I'll, I'll, I'll help you get through this, you know, three for 30, his last 38 is not the best way to do it. And, and, you know, mechanically, you know, he could be trying to do too much. He, he has a little bit too much upper turn, which is getting him out and around the baseball. That's why you see him swinging through mm-hmm. breaking balls and hitting some ground balls to the pool side. But it's, Look, did you really think that Randall Gritchick consistently all year was going to be Randall Gritchick? He was the first two months of the season. I, I didn't, I, I did not necessarily expect this type of fall off to the point where he would be one of the 
the worst offensive outfielders in baseball in the past couple of months. I mean, the numbers are just there. He's not very good right now. He's not a very good player right now. I mean, he's just not. Well, you, I, you, the, by, by, no, by no statistical analysis is he a good player at this time. Uh, we mentioned Josh Palacios has been sent down. I want to deal with that play Friday, first of all, because you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get it out of the way. Um, I'm talking about the play in the eighth inning. Josh Palacios dives. V- Victor Reyes scores uh, an inside-the-park uh, home run. Now, my first thought, Kevin, was mm-hmm. I'm watching that play, and I'm going, okay, no doubles defense. You don't want the ball to go over your head. That should be your first priority. Then I watch the replay, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm Josh Palacios, I'm probably trying to make that catch. And so I wanted to bounce that off you. I'm not certain... He didn't miss it by much, first of all. Secondly, yeah. I had a bigger issue with the with with the throw from Dickerson to Semyon, which was, I mean, yeah, that whole off, thing was was completely botched. Cutoff relays all year for the Blue Jays hasn't been real good, whether it's the guy throwing it, whether it's how they line up, whether it's how aggressive they've been going out to get balls in bigger ballparks, those kind of things. Just, you know, occasionally just sometimes looks like they're not doing their homework enough. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I gotta ask you. Every center fielder in baseball would have done for that. Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. Is there is there a center fielder? Is Randall Gretzky would have done for that. Yeah, he would have probably you. called it. Thank but you. That's the difference. Is I, I to that, go on here and, and and yell and scream about Josh Palacios not making a play? You know the no doubles in a giant ballpark with a guy that you know doesn't hit a, a ton of balls over people's heads is. Is that really where you're going to play? And mm-hmm. it's that's fair, right? You're you're that's fair. if you're a center fielder and you're athletic and you can run a little bit and you can get decent jumps and you can run and your manager your man, and your manager put you in the yeah, lineup I, I in a big ass center field. I, you know, if, if push yeah. comes to shove, I'm blaming more of the manager and, and the front office for putting a guy in there instead of putting Randall in center field. Knowing what these games mean, yeah. knowing who you're playing, knowing who's coming up that you have to play. It's just hard for me. How do you how do you blame a guy who's trying to show a team that he belongs in the big leagues? Who you know is as a decent offensive player. It's not a great offensive player. He's going to be a bottom of, of the lineup guy who is a defensive first player who can make a play to to change a game. And then you ask him not to dive. Yeah, I'd, it's hard for me to do that. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 very much uh, I'm very much with you on that. But I again I will admit when I first saw it, um, you know that was my first reaction. Yeah. But then the second replay, I'm thinking. First of all, I'm thinking he almost had it. But secondly, yeah. you're right. There isn't a center fielder out there that doesn't that doesn't go for and that. And then I hear Charlie in a Zoom call after the game say that that we're, I'm going to talk to him. Talk to him about what? I don't. I don't really know what he, he's supposed to stop and yeah. when, when you could if he you know if it, if the ball wasn't tailing a little bit because the right hander was inside out in the ball and it had a little tail away from the outfielder he. Yeah, it's just, it's just how, that whole situation for me. When you first saw the lineup, is that really who you wanted to play center field against the team that you're supposed to beat? Seven oh seven is the first pitch tonight. As the uh, Jays take on the Baltimore Orioles at the Rogers Center, plenty of uh, talk ahead. Again, five ninety five ninety is the text line. You got any comments on the Jays' weekend on this series coming up? Anything baseball related? We are going to talk about the Mets and the thumbs down sign that a couple of their players gave uh, the crowd. And like I, I'm, I made my point pretty clearly. You know, people are telling Mets players to toughen up. I, I would suggest fans toughen up. Um, I, I have no problem with fans booing at all. 
I have no problem with players mm. showing emotion back to the fans. Now, I think where I draw the line along with Kevin is the organized thing. Yeah. That's concerning. That says something about your clubhouse. I mean, if, if Javier, if Javi Baez had just crossed the plate and done that in his own, then I'd go, yeah, okay. Okay. And let's not forget either. Javi Baez is hitting 210 as a well, man. There and the guy that spent $341 million on doesn't play every day and hitting 224. There is that. Let's back that up. A little. There is that. You know All what right. I'm saying? We'll talk to John Harper about that. This is baseball central on sports and F the fan. It just, it just feels bad when, when, when we strike out, when I strike out and I get booed, you know, it doesn't really get to me, but like, I want, I want to let them know that when we success, we're going to do the same thing to, to know how, to, to let them know how, how it feels, you know, because if we win together, then we, we got to lose together, you know, and, and, and the fans are really a big part of it. So in my case, they, they got to be better, you know, I, I play for the fans and I love the fans, but you know, if they're going to do that, they, they're just putting more pressure on the team. And, and that's, not, that's not what we want. That was Javier Baez of the New York Mets yesterday. Uh, being asked about the thumbs down sign that he and, uh, and, and some other players, Francisco Lindor and Kevin Pillar, um, cooked up, I guess, as a, a response to what they see as... Mets fans being unduly harsh on them. Um, <laughs> that's funny because when I knew that we were going to be joined by our next guest, John Harper, I'm going to bring John Harper in right now of SNY Sportsnet New York. John, thanks so much for joining us. I think you know where I'm going here. My first, when, uh, my first reaction was, okay, I know that Harper and Clappish did a book on the 92 Mets called The Worst Team Money Could Buy. So I, I, I saw that, and then I went back and remembered Vince Coleman tossing a firecracker into a crowd of fans waiting for autographs. It was outside Dodger Stadium, right, in 93. Yeah. He injured a two-year-old yeah. girl. Of course, there have been a couple of, um, you know, sexual misconduct allegations involving members of this front office and, and, and previous Front offices. Oh, yeah, Hagen shooting bleach into a crowd of reporters. <laughs> well, that was right. Now, that's let, let's get John Harper joining us. I want to bring you in, and I want to use that as a jumping-off point. Tell us a bit about, first of all, give us your impression of what we're seeing right now with this team and compare it to some of the previous Mets controversies. And please don't leave out Mr. Met being suspended for giving the fans a raised middle finger because that was one of my favorites. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> That was, yeah, that was, what, the last couple of years. That wasn't back in the 92 days. But, uh, yeah, this team right now, it's in the midst of a complete collapse uh, for starters, which doesn't give you a lot of leverage if you're a player to be (laughs) worried about what the fans, how the fans are treating you. Uh, But this is, we've seen this before, and actually, it it actually, there is a comparison there to that 92 team, which uh, people probably don't remember, was that actually had the highest paid, uh, the highest payroll in baseball that year. They Signed Bobby Bonilla, who was uh, the highest-paid free agent that year. Bonilla was a lot like when Frank, Francisco Lindor is getting a lot of heat here. Is kind of the, although Baez said it, there's a feeling that Lindor is kind of behind this whole thing with the thumbs down. He's kind of complained about getting booed, uh, despite the fact that he hasn't performed 
for his $341 million contract, but that, that he's kind of behind this whole thing. And he came in as Mr. Smile, which is, you may remember, Jeff, Bobby Vanilla came in and said, oh, yeah. you know, as a guy from the Bronx, you're going to have to wipe the smile off my face, which then he proceeded to put earplugs in when he got booed and complain and call, call the press box because the E9 on the, on the uh, scoreboard was too big. Who did, did he like threaten? Who did he threaten to take out and, and quote, show you some areas of the Bronx? Wasn't it or something I'll like sh- that? Or? I'll, show you the Bron- I'll show you the Bronx. That was clap after the book came out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll show you the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, that was a complete disaster with uh, Saberhagen shooting bleach. And that was the next year, actually. But that was, it was just, it was just one thing after another. And it was another story of a team that didn't perform. And, Listen, in New York, when you don't perform, you know, you're going to get booed. It's go, it goes all the way back to Mickey Mantle, for gosh sakes, uh, Strawberry Piazza, guys who eventually kind of came true and became uh, these beloved figures. Uh, but you got to, you know, I mean, New York takes pride in it. Sometimes I think it's silly. It's too much. It's, uh, you know, it takes pride in making guys sort of, quote, earn their stripes. Uh, I mean, Gian- Giancarlo Stanton was booed in Yan- by the Yankee fans his first home game ever. Uh, so sometimes it's over the top, but in this case, this team was in first place mostly because the division's bad and at least is bad for most of the year. And then they've just completely collapsed in August. Uh, I, I really think they lost a lot of their identity and their kind of their mojo when DeGrom went down because he was such a force for them, but they haven't hit all year. So they really can't complain. I mean, you know, booing is a sign of, uh, you know, of passion in New York and that team that fans want you to perform and when you don't they're going to boo but they're going to cheer you as soon as you start playing well so i think this is really a sign of immaturity on a lot of level that these guys don't understand that's also a sign of weak leadership in that clubhouse yeah you set that up perfectly for me john how much how many of the front offices personnel do you think make it through this yeah that's that's becoming a, a real good question now uh because nothing has really gone right in terms Sandy Olson was brought back uh, kind of to uh, be a conduit to the next regime, more so as a team president. He wasn't really supposed to be the guy in charge of baseball operations. He tried to hire people, and they found they had a hard time finding guys who wanted to make that jump right away. Then they hired Jared Porter, who, as a GM, not so, they really decided not to go with the president of baseball operations. They let Sandy do it for the first year. Porter, of course, got fired when the allegations uh, surfaced about his uh, – misconduct and dealing with women texting and all that stuff he gets fired then zach zach scott was kind of a second in charge and he he's become an acting gm and i think there's a real good possibility i mean steve cohen you know i mean he has everybody knows he's had a, he has a he, well he's the he's the richest owner in baseball but he has a killer side to his business side of him he's a hedge fund owner it's become you know ridiculously wealthy and i'm sure that's not from being just a nice guy and he has actually said in a press conference that early in the year, basically that he rewards people to do well, but he doesn't suffer fools uh, to kind of uh, paraphrase what he said. So I, I think there's a good chance they're going to, he's going to go and, and kind of wipe the slate clean. And that, cl- that includes probably includes the manager, Luis Rojas, who comes off looking poorly here too, because, and I actually think he's done a solid job. He, I think he's a, he's a good game manager. He's got, you know, he's Felipe Alou's son. He's got a real good background management in the minors for a long time, and he's got the trust of those players. But he looks bad here because the team's underperformed for a second straight year, and also because he he was caught off guard. It seems like anyway, with this thumbs down thing. And when he was asked about it, basically said he didn't know what was going on. 
this was after Baez had already been in the Zoom conference to say it. So he looks bad here. I can't imagine. I can't. It's not looking like he would survive unless this team goes on a huge run here, which you wouldn't expect. So I think Steve Cohen's going to make a lot of changes. Uh, John, one of the other things I was wondering about this is, you know, what this means. Well, the, the two guys here, Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor. Now, Lindor is already signed. He's here for in New York for the long term. Baez is a free agent. I think a lot of us thought the Mets were 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 you know we're going to we're going to sign him or would at least take a serious shot at signing him. But we have seen players in the past, right? George Foster, when he was with the Mets, got into was never was never comfortable. I, was it Ed? And you're going to have to correct me here. I may be wrong, but wasn't it Ed Whitson that essentially got booed out of New York that he couldn't pitch oh, at Yankee Stadium yeah. <laughs> because fans were on him so much? Is there any concern that we're seeing maybe a development of this those those two situations here? Well, it's fair to it's fair to ask the question, and it has been asked a lot this year because Lindor has not looked like the player the Mets signed up for. That's for sure. Uh, to three hundred forty one million and. And I was on record early on last spring as saying, why don't you want to see what this guy can do in New York before you give him that contract? Especially, he was coming off at kind of a down year last year in Cleveland. So, you know, whether that is, has anything to do with what's going on, but he has not looked like the same hitter. He's played great great defense for the most part, and that is as advertised. But he uh, he hasn't hit all year. And I've started to hear things over the course of the season from scouts about how well, high velocity was giving him some problems in Cleveland, and uh, that's what we, we've kind of seen, that he looks like he's kind of cheated early to get to the fastball, and he's really looked bad against breaking stuff at times. So he hasn't hit. He's had little stretches where you think he's going to get it going, but he really hasn't. And he had, he's had been on the record of saying, you know, uh, you know, to quote him, it sucks to get booed. So this has kind of been something that he's been talking about all year. Uh, and he just figured at some point he was putting a lot of pressure on himself because of the contract, and he would you'd see the real Lindor, but you haven't seen it. Then he got hurt, but he's been back for uh, about a week now, and he still really hasn't looked like that guy. So you do have to wonder, uh, you know, what's going on, whether there is kind of a, a, a New York effect on him or not. But uh, <laughs> they they're not going. He's not going anywhere. Bias, I can't imagine that they would resign because mm-hmm. he'd play second base for him, which kind of. Uh, it takes some of his defensive value from him, and he's going to want big bucks. So right. as much he's Lindor's buddy. But, you know, part of this, too, is Lindor established a relationship with Steve Cohen back in the spring. They went to dinner, and, you know, you've heard different things about it. They've really kind of become close. Probably had something to do with him signing him. And also, that reportedly, that he had something to do with talking Steve Cohen into bringing in Javi Baez. And Baez... It was only a couple of weeks after Baez was here that Steve Cohen, the owner, tweets about how poorly they're hitting offensively and that they don't look like a professional offense and that uh, really good teams have a more disciplined approach. Well, you brought in one of the most undisciplined hitters in the big league. So there's kind of a disconnect there that goes back to that question about uh, changes he might make uh, in the front office, too. Harp, really good of you to do this, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, great Be stuff. well. Anytime. Good talking to you guys. Take care. That's John Harper of SNY, a longtime beat writer with the New York Daily News and a national baseball writer as well. And and the book, if uh, <laughs> you can get it, the worst team money could buy. Bobby Bonilla, of course, signed the contract. He's still getting paid. Yeah. You know, that's a contract that everybody jokes about, mm-hmm. about how, how, how Bobby Bonilla still gets paid. But it's, it, it's funny hearing John say that because – 
I remember covering the Pittsburgh Pirates when Bobby Bonilla and Barry Bonds were both on the Pirates and in the clubhouse at the same time. And I've always... Bonds... I feel a little differently about Bonds than a lot of people do because he he was always... He always played well when the Pirates were in Montreal. He hit in that stadium. Uh, his first wife was from Montreal. His brother-in-law worked in the clubhouse, like all this stuff. And so consequently, Barry was actually a pretty good in a pretty good mood when he was in Montreal. And for whatever reason, I didn't. if I wanted to talk to him after a game, and there was usually one or two other Pittsburgh writers there, he talked to us. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you'd have to wait. Uh, but what I, I always remember thinking about Barry, the, the thing about Barry is he would tell you if he wasn't going to talk, he said, I'm not talking today. Okay. So you go, Bobby Bonilla would go, ah, give me a second. I got it. You know, give me a second. You'd wait for 20 minutes. He'd come back and go, nah, it's kind of late. So everybody had this idea. Bobby Bonilla was the fun guy, the smiling guy. He was the, the good teammate, yada, yada. Bonds was this jackass. And when Bonilla went to New York, that was the narrative, much like was the case with Lindor. Mm-hmm. You know, Bobby Bonilla at one point was, he was a good player, he was a good hitter, and he was a, he was he was kind of a friendly guy. You know, he was a he was yeah. quick to smile. Same thing you see with Lindor. So I think Lindor will be okay here because mm. the other thing I know about New York Park is if he hits three forty next year and wins the MVP award, and then and 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 the Mets win the World Series. Yeah. They're still going to like him, but, um, you know, I, the Kevin Pillar thing, I don't understand how on earth a guy like Kevin Pillar would would get involved in this. And to your point, I just don't understand how you organize something like this. Yeah, and even if somebody asks you the question of why you do it, just say it's something our team, we do internally, it's really none of your business. I mean, you could say that. You don't have to come, say, out, you know what? Or, come out loud and say or why you know what you're you doing should, it. You know what you should really do is just say, you know what, I was, I've was. i really been upset with the way the fans are treating me. That's my response to the fans. If, if, it's, to get your, if it's to get your message across, that's how you do it. Sometimes it's just better to say nothing. It's easier to do that just occasionally. You don't have to do it all the time. Sometimes occasionally, it makes it fun for us. But with, with, with no Jacob DeGrom, who are they? They, they have an identity crisis no, they, for they me. Really, they, they, they don't have they an don't identity. They don't have Noah Syndergaard either. There's they, no they identity really, crisis. Like, what, or there's no identity. Like, who are they? Like, are they? Yeah. That's, no, I, I, without, without Jacob, they're, they're really – they just don't have a good team, period. Right. It's just amazing that one guy can turn their season the way no Jacob DeGrom has. 590-590 is the text line. We'll get to it. We'll also get you set for the first pitch tonight. 707 Jays and Orioles. This is Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Yeah, we're uh, excited to have him back in the lineup today. So he's been working very hard. He's also been very careful and um, you know, communicative about how he's feeling and I'm excited to have him back in the lineup. He'll DH today and we'll just take a day at a time and think about how he's, re- or assess how he's recovering to determine when he could uh, play in the outfield for us. That's Ross Atkins, general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays earlier today doing immediate availability as uh, George Springer will be in the lineup for the Blue Jays. He will be leading off. He will be DHing. Still have not seen the Jays lineup yet. There, Charlie's keeping it secret against the Orioles. Don't want to. Don't want to tip your hand against the Orioles. Yeah. Chris Ellis, scary. Well, now come on. 
Priscilla's. They haven't seen them before. You know what that means? Hmm. They have them exactly. Two to one in the seventh, what that means. Exactly. Pino in Toronto says the Mets are all smoke, no fire. Uh, Dave and Barry. Why would Kevin Pillar get involved? Jeff, the guy is, uh, I can't say that word in the air. Always was. Remember the F word episode when someone quick pit- pitched him? He was always eyewash. Cannot believe he was so idolized here. Dave and Barry. Um, uh, I mean, I, Kevin Pillar is hitting what? 211 or whatever it is. Again, I, as I said, and I threw this out in social media and we'll be following the text line, 590, 590 all, all, all day long. Uh, as I said about this, um, I, I don't have a problem with players reacting to fans. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, if, if Javier Baez wanted to do the thumbs down thing when he came, fine. But I, the, the idea that, the idea that adults... The idea that professional athletes would have wasted any time sitting around a clubhouse and saying, you know what we should do? Yeah. Let's do something when the fans boo us. Let's do something to get back to them. Let's at Parker, you raised the point. If that was openly discussed in the clubhouse, why didn't somebody put up their hand and go, like, are you guys okay? Yeah, that's probably because it was the two main players in Baez and Lindor. That, that's that's obviously the two players, and then you had maybe Pilar following suit and doing his thing, whatever he was doing. That, that it's it's you know not everybody in the in the clubhouse is going to raise their hand against you know air quote the elite players in the clubhouse. It just doesn't happen that way. You you got your place, and most of the time it's the guy making the most money who who makes the decisions like that. It's you know it's yeah you have to perform better. The, the, he knew this going into. To New York. That's probably why I didn't want to sign there. Or, or that that was 1,000% the case for me, at least. You know, I don't know that for sure, but it sure looked like he didn't want any part of going to New York. Now that he's there, he's going to be there a long time. He's going to have to figure out ways to do better. Let's let's put this to rest before we talk about Robbie Ray in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, Javier Baez. This, uh, it, automatically people are saying, well, Javier Baez has probably cost himself in free agency. Folks, the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer. Yeah, Javier Baez is going to get what he's going to get out of this as a free agent. Somebody, I, I don't think this is going to. The only thing it does is maybe it takes, as John Harper said, it may, might take him out of the equation in New York. But, Bark, if, if you were interested in Javier Baez before the trade deadline, I would be more concerned about his, his hitting in New York than the, sums, the thumbs down thing. Somebody's still going to give him a five or six year deal next year or a four or five year deal. I don't think this is going to have any impact on it, do you? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I think it depends on where the team's at. You know, if it's a rebuilding team, you got a bunch of young guys around him. You, you know, you, you want him to sort of be the sample guy, lead by example. You know, you don't probably want young guys following, you know, the thumbs down, that kind of thing. And, you know, big moments, big markets. There'd be a lot goes into it. You know, the, the years and that kind of thing, he's going to get what the market says he'll get. But you know, where he goes, I, th- I think it might eliminate a couple of places. You know, the bigger markets, the markets that when you're not doing well, you get booed, you have to perform yeah, at the he, highest he, level. That, he played well in Chicago. That's a yeah, pretty Chicago, big market. Chicago's not really but a, it's a not boo me when you're doing bad. They're not that kind of market. They're not like New York. No, spe- especially the Cubs. The Every, everybody in, Ask John Carlos Stanton. Yeah. That's he gets booed all the time. No, all the right. time. You're you ever right. heard him say anything? He takes it like a man. That's what you do when you're making tons of money and you're not performing. You take it like a man 
and then you go out and show them why they shouldn't boo you. Period. End of story. That, I, I have no sympathy for these guys. I really don't. I mean, I, I, think, I still think Lindor's one of the top 10 best baseball players in baseball, even though he's having a bad season. But I think it's, you know, it's a little bit of the mental side of it has to catch, catch up to the physical talent. Yeah. Well, I, listen, I agree with what John Harper said. I love Francisco Lindor, but if it's me, I need to see how a guy can handle New York before I toss big money at him. I just do. I still, I still think that there's, there's something about being in New York. That and 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 being a baseball player in New York, in New York that requires a certain approach, and you got to find out if a guy has it or if he doesn't have it. Robbie Ray takes the mound tonight against Chris Ellis of the Orioles. Robbie Ray nine of five two seven two got a chance to rack up some more numbers tonight and make a further case for the Cy Young Award. We'll talk about Robbie Ray, Kevin Smith, and uh, we'll come up with some other stuff as well. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet five ninety The Fan. feel good about the the team we feel good about the shape of the organization and feel that we have enough season left to really make a good run we have yet to have all things clicking uh, at once even in that nine and two stretch you know it was really our pitching that kind of carried us through that that point and we've yet to have a time where all things have been happening for this team and I'm very confident that that it's in our future and certainly hopeful that it, it starts sooner than quicker Hopefully he meant sooner than later as opposed to sooner than quicker. I'd take quicker over sooner. That's Ross Atkins, general manager. Just kidding. General manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. The second hour of Baseball Central, the pregame show on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Jeff Blair, Kevin Barker, Ben Wagner joins us from the Rogers Center in a few minutes. 7.07, the first pitch tonight, Robbie Ray against Chris Ellis. The news, we have not seen a Jays, an actual Jays lineup yet, but uh, the news, as you heard, in the update is that George Springer is uh, in the lineup. He's leading off. He's DHing. And Kevin Barker, let's be clear about this. George Springer is not entirely healthy. If hearing Charlie Montoyo talk about how they're going to have to be careful with him, Luis Rivera is going to have to be careful with him running the bases, et cetera, et cetera. Essentially, what you're, te- you're saying to me is he's not entirely healthy. Yeah, he's not 100%, and it'll take a double to score him from second. Yeah. You know, and, and hey, look, Basically look. what he's what they're saying. You know, what, what do they say? How many people are 100% at this time of the year? I'm sure as hell not. But, I mean, how many people are 100%? 100%, 100%. Oh, I know you are a big fellow. I know you are 100%. <laughs> I, I know that, and, and, yeah, thank, yeah, and did, thank God for that. But you know what I mean. It, it's scary to, the, to hear him say that. <laughs> That's like I, you, you need a, you're an experienced guy, been around forever, and you need a third-base coach to, to massage you around the bags. Yeah, no, oh, I'm not, yeah, not, not sure. You may want to rephrase. Not sure that's the that's the best that's the that's the best thing you want to hear for about one of your best players, oh. one of your best hitters to keep him on the field. I you, hey. ho- you hope for the best. You hope he's in the lineup for one reason. That's the that's the mash baseballs, and hopefully he does that. But are you kidding me? Like it's that's the last thing you want to hear when when one of your better hitters is coming back. That your third base coach has to be real careful about going first to third, second to home. I. Good luck. Uh, the Jays do have a lineup. This is like this is like having a having the Pope announced send out a, a puff of white smoke out of the out of the chimney. Bobuchet, where's he hitting? It's the only one I want to know. Fourth, he's hitting cleanup. Of course he is. 
Springer is leading off in DHing. Semyon is hitting second and playing second. Guerrero Jr. is at first. Bo's at short. Teo's at right field. Alejandro Kirk. We've got to talk about Alejandro Kirk again. He's behind the plate. Corey Dickerson's in the left. Kevin Smith is at third in, in third base. Jared Dyson is in center field. Uh, Robbie Ray is is uh, is on the mound. So no Randall Grichuk. I mean, you made a uh, made a point the other earlier in the show about me. I wonder if Grichuk is 100 percent healthy himself. But then, as you said, he did p- pinch hit. So, yeah, yeah. Um, anyhow, that's. That's interesting, uh, to say the least. So, righty, let, let, righty throw, and you got another lefty guy. Can I play guess, center yeah. Field. Why not? Why not? Better defender. Better defender. Why not? What if he dives and the ball gets past him? Uh, let's zero in a little bit on George Springer before we shift the focus to Robbie Ray, shall we? We will get to the text line five ninety five ninety. The text line. I've got an intriguing question uh, about the uh, 2015, 2016 Jays that I want to get to, um, and. and uh, I think Barker and I might be on different pages here with that, which we are. is no surprise. Uh, so th- this is the reality. George Springer's DHing. He's leading off. He's not 100%. Okay, we know that. Mm-hmm. As someone who I, I know you weren't hurt when you played. I shouldn't say you weren't hurt. You didn't miss time in the injured list. No. Minors or majors. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Tell me what George Springer will have in his head knowing that. Because George Springer obviously is aware that he's not 100% as well. Yeah, it sounds to me like it has everything to do with running and not hitting. That That's the one thing for me. Whenever he hits the ball, the ball leaves the barrel of the bat. That's when it's he needs to back off, not you know not make the turns as much around the, the, the bases as he normally does, not full speed, maybe not sliding into second base how hard he would run through the bag at first base, those kind of things. But it sounds like in the watching him and people that I've talked to offensively at the plate, it just doesn't seem like the, you know, when he, when his foot hits the ground, his front foot, that his turns, when he throws his back hip at the baseball, everything's a go. It's everything after when he's leaving the box. That's okay. the big worry. And he's a grown up. Yeah. Figure it out. That would be one of the things to. Oh, well, there you there go. You go. A obvious. Let me ask you this then. Okay, if, if we accept as fact that George Springer isn't 100%, why is he leading off? Because he's one of the best leadoff hitters that we've seen in the last seven Fair or enough, years but, in but baseball. What I'm saying is, if his, if essentially what we're saying right now is you want him doing as little as possible on the base pass, why wouldn't you... Why wouldn't you drop him down okay, into the order where he was st- before? I don't want to state the obvious, but they are hitting a buck thirty-three since okay. August thirteenth with runners in scoring position. Well, well, it's not; it doesn't but, sound but, like you know offensively okay. what we've seen. Well, They'll be running the bases for, a lot. No, but further to my point, you know if saying? they're having a bad, if they're having a hard time hitting with runners in scoring position, why not take that bat, put it down? In the middle of the order. Why not take that bat, have him hitting behind Vladdy Jr.? You gave him $150 million to lead off if he's healthy enough to hit, and that's his thing. When he came, back, what you're when doing. He came back the last time you hit him they in the middle hitting, of the order. Marcus Simeon was raking. Okay. The lineup was different right. at the time. Right. I, 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 right. I have an issue for me, a bigger issue, of moving Bo around than I do putting George Springer, you know, not 100% in the leadoff spot. Why are you moving, why are you moving Bo around? He's five for nine hitting the two hole. I know that's a small sample size, but don't he look different? Everybody that watches the game that are, that are fans of the Blue We've Jays. We've all said he was. He, don't he look, his approach looks different. Yeah. He looks comfortable. He looks like he has found his place. 
And now you're asking him, okay, with two outs coming up with a guy runner in scoring position, I get the numbers. But occasionally, don't rock the boat. I, and, and it just seems to me like having Vladdy looks different, too, with Bo hitting in front of him. For whatever reason, use your eyes occasionally. That's the whole thing. Use your eyes. Don't overthink it. Marcus Simeon right now, does it really matter where he hits? It absolutely does not. Like, it doesn't. You know, let's be realistic. 100% you think Marcus Simeon will be a Blue Jay next year. Will Bo and Vladdy be a Blue Jay next year? For me, it's more important for them to Springer, Bo, Vladdy. Establish something, get it down, get it singing. That way you gain some momentum going into the offseason. You get everybody, those three guys can be on the phone going, how good are we going to be one, two, three mm. in the lineup? That for me is just, I, it just sometimes it's just, they, I think they overthink it a little bit too much. I get why, because of how Bo sometimes is better than most of the other guys with runners in scoring position. He'll let the ball travel a little bit more. Think middle the other way. I mean, I've, you know, I've already said, I, I like, I just like watching Bo in the cleanup spot. Um, I really do. I find it hugely, hugely entertaining. Uh, but that's just as a, as sort of as an observer, as a, as, as a fan. It's a lot of pressure asking a guy to go, you know, you're one day you're hitting leadoff, the next day you're hitting second, the next day you're hitting fourth. I know they're small moves. But every single one of those are a different approach. I'm leading off. They want me to take more pitches. But guys, if Kevin, I'm hitting second, but, but I want to be myself. But hitting cleanup, I'm supposed to drive in runs. It's all a different approach. It's a lot to ask but a young most, guy to do it. Don't most it really guys is. say that I try to it's I try to be the same hitter it's, it's regardless of where I am? It's not true. I'm sorry. I've done it. It's not true. Where you hit in the order, a lot of the times, and the scoreboard tells you how you're an approaching it at bat. You see Bo leading off how much, how aggressive he is, how over-swinging he does, how many outs he makes on the first pitch, how much better he's looked the last two days hitting in the two spot because it just looks like he's himself. And now you're going, okay, I know how you've looked the last two days. You're five for nine. But can you can you take that five for nine and drop it down to the cleanup spot? And now you're asking a guy to, to go up against a really good pitcher late in the game. I'm not saying the Orioles have that, but they're going to have some hard throwers, probably guys you haven't seen before because the Orioles now are looking at people mm -hmm. that you haven't seen now. And now you're asking him to, to do something. He's capable, but I'm saying it's – it's just a, it's a ton to ask guys to, you know, what you talked about, you talked about his dad having the conversation already about the mental part of all the things that go into being a big leaguer. And now lead off second cleanup, all different approaches. Now go play an excellent shortstop. Good luck. All right. Good luck. He's a great player and he will be a great player here for a very long time, but it's a lot to ask. It is. Robbie Ray gets a start tonight uh, going for his 10th win. He's the ninth pitcher ever to go six-plus innings with two runs or fewer, no wins, and five straight starts in a mm. single season. He's done it six straight starts. Uh, boy, this year reminds me. This year reminds me so much of Pedro Martinez's year when yeah. he won the Cy Young with the with 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 the Expos. Um, Robbie Ray right now has one thousand two hundred and thirty-four career strikeouts. He's five and a third innings shy from a thousand innings for his career. Once he reaches that, he will have set the record for most strikeouts in the at a thousand inning mark of a career. Right now, you Darvish holds it at 1,222. Oh, look, we had Robbie Ray on last week. 
we talked about his Cy Young candidacy, mm-hmm. and I, I made the point that I think I think he's going to get a pretty deep look from a lot of people because his 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 case in some ways is like Pedro's case was in 1997. If you look deep enough, the numbers are outrageously good. So this starting rotation has been really good, Kevin, for the most part for the past the past month now. Um, what are you expecting from Robbie Ray tonight? And how good ha- how good is this rotation with with Ray, Ryu, Mats, Manoa? And Barrios, how does it stack up to the rest of the rotation? Uh, well, American East? League East is the best rotation in, in the American League East for me. It's better than the Yankees. It's better than the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Even though Chris Sale's in it, and Chris Sale looks like he's back to form and and can let it go. That was the one thing I think. If you're looking at Chris Sale, you know, occasionally he's not going to pitch at 97, 98, but occasionally when he needs it, a good hitter's fouling off some pitches, he can rear back and let it eat. You know that mean I'm throwing at you because I can. You know, how good can it be? Alec Manoa, you know, he has really good stuff. He, he's been a really good surprise. I think we can say he's been a surprise. Well, yeah. What's the ceiling with him? You know, what if he added a wind-up? Does he need a wind-up? You know, will his change-up, mile per hour, get better? You know, he has uh, gotten better mechanically with his glove hand. You know, it's not so much that in and out with the glove. It's finishing with the glove towards your target, which keeps him – being able to field his position, and if he can do that, it adds more sync to the ball. It gives the the changeup better tunneling and makes it that a better pitch, which allows him to throw it more, and we all know what the slider can do. So, yeah, Steven Matz, Steven Matz is Steven Matz. He's a four or five guy. You know, he's a little up and down. I know he looks fresh to me. He's throwing a little bit harder. He's established in. He looks like he's gotten more confidence, which maybe is the thing for him. You know, pitching is a lot of confidence. You believe in yourself. You believe in, you know, you're throwing that pitch with conviction. You're going to get a guy out a lot of the times because you're getting a guy out on the on-deck circle. That there's a, That's a thing. Uh, Ryu, hmm, that's a tough one for me. Depends on who he's facing. You know, you feel comfortable. Big game Yankees, big game Red Sox, big game Tampa Bay. I don't. I'd rather have the other three guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Barrios, look, it's a good one thing to do it against Detroit. It's another thing to do it against Oakland, the Yankees, Tampa Bay. Those are the tests for me. Will the stuff work? Can he repeat the delivery? Can he keep from tipping pitches? The more they see him, you know, the more they're going to game plan against him. They're going to start picking, trying to find little things that he's not doing to give them an advantage. That'll be an interesting thing, too. But I really like it. It's something to build off of. And if their offense in August can catch up to their starting rotation, Yeah. In June, on uh, June 18th to be exact, Robbie Ray faced the Baltimore Orioles. Six innings, four hits, three runs, three earned, three walks, uh, ten strikeouts in that game. Um, how different of a how different a pitcher? And that turned into a a two one loss to the Orioles. How different a pitcher is Robbie what, Ray what now? Five strikeouts. Sorry, in June. In June, he had five. I'm strikeouts. not sure he's any different pitcher. He's just not messing around. He gets a lot of swing and miss on his slider. He gets consistent swing and miss, and 75% of the time, it's not a strike. Mm-hmm. That'll tell you how good it is, how late it breaks, how much they have to respect velocity of the fastball, the location of the fastball. You're that was right-handed the season hitter. low, by the way. That was the season low for, uh, yeah, yeah. for innings. He's had six quality starts in a row. He's he's working on 20 quality starts this yeah. season. That That's the thing for me is, you know, you forget about the wins. 
Now, nobody wants to think about the wins except actual the starting pitcher. That's a big deal for them. You get them in a room, you ask them one on one. It's a big deal. That's their job is to win the games. But it's not the not the deciding factor. But a quality start is you get a quality start most of the time you go out there, that gives your team a, mm. a legit chance to win. You know, the 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 repeatable delivery that he has, the consistent arm slot, I think, is a huge deal. Right, we talked about Barrios and tipping his pitches. Well, you can tip your pitch by having different arm slots on two different pitches. How can he throw two pitches? Well, it's quality pitches, but every single time he releases it, it looks the same. It's coming out of the same slot. Everything in his delivery looks identical. It's impossible for a hitter, especially a right-handed hitter, to pick up something different to give them a chance to lay off of one of them. And he's real mad at you. I, that plays for me. I've been standing in boxes with guys that are mad at you that have good stuff. It's a different pitch. Now he has, instead of two pitches, he has a third pitch. Ben Wagner is going to join us in a few minutes, and uh, we'll talk to Ben about Ross Atkins' comment about essentially saying he thinks there's still some some runway left for this team. Sure there is. Sure there is. But they sweep the Orioles. They're they're in they're in a decent place. They have to sweep the Orioles. Yeah, what they can't do is two and three. It ain't going to do it. No, no. They got to start. They got to start racking up racking up some wins uh, very quickly here. Five ninety five ninety is the text line. Want to talk about uh, Kevin Smith? He is at uh, third base. Uh, obviously, with Santiago Espinel going on the IL, we're going to get us a steady dose of Kevin Smith. We saw him hit his home run yesterday. Uh, tell me, give me your assessment of, of of Kevin Smith from what we've seen so far. Yeah, for me, from what, what you've seen, it's a little unfair. You know, we haven't seen really enough of him to know consistently if big league pitchers see him the adjustments he can make on the fly, pitch to pitch, at bat to at bat, that kind of thing. It looks to me like his defense at third base is a little bit more advanced than offensively he is. You know, what he doesn't want to swing at at the plate. His leg kick is okay. He's got a little uppercut. He's looks like a, a, a right-handed, left-handed swing. You know, a lefty's got a little natural uppercut in their swing. Uh, if he gets a, a pitch that's down, gives him a better chance of barreling up baseball. But I think that's it. And then really, you know, it's very hard to to have a – a legitimate answer to your question because we just haven't seen enough of him at the big league level. I do know he has pop. They had a ball to left center in that park that he just left in Detroit. That's something. You know, he almost I left in another one that, he almost left in center field, which is he almost had another one that Derek Hill took so, away from that's him. That's a as long well. way. You know what what when they start spinning it? Every, yeah. That's sort of what they're trying to figure out. Can he hit velocity? Can he hit velocity in? Can he hit velocity up? And once he shows them two out of that three, maybe then they're gonna start spinning it to him more. That'll be the true test, but he's not going to hurt their team, I don't think. You know, would you wait? Perfect scenario is he the guy you want to be in left field? Absolutely not. <laughs> Are you okay him playing third base defensively? He looks like he's got fast twitch muscle enough at third base to make the play strong, accurate enough arm to throw it where it needs to go. But it is what it is. This is what you got. Yeah, listen. It, it, it's going to be him or Espinal at third base. That's that's the way this team, you know, that's the way this team is Even right now. Us, and, I, and I'm, I'm the Espinal yeah, thing. I'm okay I don't know if they think as highly of him as as we do. If they did, they'd be playing him every day. And I know he's injured now, but when he was healthy, yeah. Why wouldn't he? You see what I see with a bunch of lefty starters on the mound, and they, he gets a gr- ground ball. You can go to the refrigerator. You know that's an out. <laughs> he's out. Ben Wagner is the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He will have the call of the game, 707. The roof is open. We've got the live camera feed here. It looks gorgeous. The Jays and the Orioles 
Robbie Ray, Chris Ellis, Ben Wagner's next. This is Baseball Central, the pregame show on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, 707 will be the first pitch tonight. Uh, Dave and Barry's apologizing for the text he sent with a word that I can't say. That's okay, Dave. I appreciate it. I came close to using it. <laughs> I have to admit I caught myself. Mm. Caught myself in a second. Um, all right, here's the question. I found this kind of interesting. And it's from Sebastian in Ottawa. Long-time listener, first-time texter. Welcome, Sebastian. If you could have one player from the 2015-16 Jays team and add him to this team to help them push for the playoffs, who would it be? This easy one for me. We just talked about Kevin Smith playing third base. Josh Donaldson. There, it's the easy one. Run producing at 123 RBIs in 2015. He was healthy at 122 runs. He was seeing the ball well. He could, he, you want him in big spots. He could carry a team for two weeks. That's exactly what this team doesn't Bit have of an right edge. now. That's me. Bit of and, an and, edge. And he, and he brought a little attitude, which is, for whatever reason, they don't really seem to have that. And maybe that's what they're missing. They have it with, they have it when Robbie Ray's on the mound mm-hmm. and Alec Manoa gives them that little intimidation factor. American League East, you go to Yankee Stadium, it's intimidating. You go to Fenway Park, it's intimidating. You go to Tampa Bay when there's nobody there and they're kicking a, you know what out of you? It's a little intimidating. It just is. There's nobody there. It adds a little bit of element to it. You know, you got to bring your game. Coming to Toronto right now, today, intimidating. Adding Josh Dawson for me would bring that. Yeah, my, my initial reaction was, you know, and again, rewinding the clock, not knowing what we eventually knew about him. Roberto Osuna, a lights-out closer that you didn't have to think twice about using. And Russ Martin, somebody who he could run one. a game from behind the plate. He said one, I know. And I'm agreeing with you. But I did, but those two, those two things kind of jumped out at me. But yeah, no, J, JD for... for yeah, I mean, he addresses the position issue. I'm sure. I'm right sure away. the texter was talking about end of the year, doing it right now. Catcher, end of the year is probably worn out. You're not going to get his hundred percent. Josh fair. Donaldson, run producer. I'm all over that, and then some. Yeah, give me that all day of the week. Let's bring in Ben Wagner, voice of the Blue Jays from the Rogers Center. How you doing, Mister Wagner? Hey, listen, it's a gorgeous night. The roof has been mm. rolled back for like three hours. Uh, I'm at a ballpark, which is you know it's not bad. the best place. The best place to be. No, it's not. So. It's, uh, things aren't. Things aren't bad. Things aren't bad at all. Um, no. So we we know that George Springer will be in the lineup, and uh, he's going to be leading off. He's going to be DHing. You know, both Kevin and I kind of. I mean, we looked at each other when we heard uh, we heard Charlie's comments about essentially saying he's not a hundred percent, and they're going to have to be a little careful with him on the bases. You now, my first reaction is, if you're going to do that, why lead him off? I I don't know if I necessarily want my leadoff hitter having to exercise caution if if if, if the, the the most he's going to be able to give you is that bat then stick him down in the middle of the order barker of course thought i was a lunatic yeah 
for uh, for suggesting <laughs> that. And I really, it's 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 not something I necessarily feel like going to war over. But I will ask you this: Can can, can you get what you need out of George Springer by being careful with him? Uh, I haven't found anybody that's told that to George Springer yet. Does George know that he's not supposed to go at one hundred percent? And in the heat of the moment, we may see George Springer act at 100%. Uh, that'll be very interesting. Can you get good production from George Springer at 85 90%? Yeah, he was playing at 85, and he came back with a quad injury. We were told for you know, a week leading up that he wasn't 100%. And the timing was the thing that he needed to get going. So, uh, you know, he, this, I mean, first off, this is stunning news to me that he's back within two weeks right. of an injury. It's 15 days. He was out of the lineup 15 days. That's it. Uh, and just over two weeks being placed on the injured list. So I don't think he's lost a lot of you know what is George Springer going to give the Toronto Blue Jays in just two weeks' time. So I think he's going to make an impact. He's certainly going to stretch this lineup out. It's going to get you an extra quality at bat and just another guy that an opponent has to think about each and every time that a lineup rolls around. Ben, do you think it's fair to move Bo around in the lineup this much? No. Me uh, I No, I don't. I don't think it is. Uh, and Bo downplays it, and we have asked him, you know, approach being a leadoff guy. How do you attack it yeah. being number two, number three, the cleanup guy? Each of these spots have defined roles in every lineup, let alone what the individual player wants to do in them, too. Uh, I just... You know, the Blue Jays just don't have that luxury to go out there and for the long part of the season, you know, to not move these guys around. That's now been forced to move them around. The, uh, yeah, it's, it's again, that, that is something Barker and I discussed as well. Um, I, you know, I said I, I like watching Bo hit cleanup, but um, that's just purely from a train wreck potential uh, more than anything else I but yeah, I, I, I you're right. I, I don't know what else. You know, I don't. I, re, I really don't know what else. You know, what else you you, you could necessarily do, Bark? Uh, you, who's who's your future? You got three guys. Yeah. One, one, two, three in the order. You you put Marcus Simeon wherever you put Marcus. But hit him clean up if you want. He seems to be a a, a hit fastball guy. I just a lot to ask. That's all for me. Yeah. No. I I I I, I suppose. I I suppose. Um. Yeah, I, you know, you you move Marcus down though. That's one less at bat on a nightly basis for a guy that's I guess really productive. Yeah, that that's my thing too. You know, Bo's starting to come out of a little bit of a funk. Um, you know, Teoscar Hernandez certainly is in a really bad spot right now. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, he he's mm-hmm. he's lost. You know, he's he's taking pitches that he was crushing the first four months of this year, this season. So. Um, I think this is the top five is what they focus on, or the top half of the lineup is what you hear a lot of the coaches and the players focus on, and they'll tell you that it doesn't matter as long as these are our core guys, the top five guys mm. coming around. And if you get somebody in the seven, eight, nine pot that can produce and flip that card over, you know it's going to be a big night for the Blue Jays. How important was it, or how big was it for Tim Mesa to get that opportunity to get that save? And the the sense you get from people. Ben is that they may the Jays may now have kind of developed a nice rhythm with Jordan Romano in terms of workload in terms of use are you getting the same vibe yeah I had a conversation with general manager Ross Atkins about that specifically today on both those guys one 
the development, the maturity, and just the confidence that Tim Mesa has in himself when he's out there on the mound. But now it's a little bit of a balance where you know you're not going to get Jordan Romano for three straight days. Somebody's got to step in there and be a closer. Tim Mesa has emerged as that guy. We talked, I think it was during the last homestand with you guys, right? They shifted him on the mound a little bit. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit more of a crossfire action. That slider's coming back. It's got a little bit more deception, and things are rolling right now for Tim Mesa. And that is a great luxury to have with the Blue Jays in a night that you're not, maybe not going to have. Jordan Romano. And if you've got them both, wow, that's a great combination in the eighth and the ninth for the Blue Jays to have at the same time. So this is definitely something that took some time to get to. And Mesa had a little bit of elbow inflammation. He's worked a lot. Still within two years of coming off of Tommy John surgery. So there are some parameters, you know, that they're trying to keep him in. But that 10-day blow uh, certainly has big dividends and hopefully the rest of the way for Tim. And then Jordan Romano, I mean, they finally calmed him down. Uh, They got him to go to that slide step. The velo is back, which is all very, very, very good things for Jordan Romano. And with that slider and his ability to manipulate the slider and get that feel back, uh, that that is where the Blue Jays definitely want to have him now going into the month of September. Uh, Impressions of Kevin Smith's game early on for you a little bit better defensively in my opinion than I was prepared for Mm -hmm. you know I didn't I never got a chance to see him play outside late game assignments in spring training you know so what are you really getting a gauge on pretty solid as a shortstop in the minor leagues played a lot of third base the last couple of years has picked it really, really well over there, which is good because Santiago Espinal is not going to be back in this lineup for, it sounds like, at least a couple of weeks. It's going to be longer than the 10-day layoff. So the Blue Jays need somebody that can go over there and pick it at third base that they can trust. And now at the plate, I think it's an approach that needs to come around. He's seen a lot of fastballs right now. There's, I, I asked some people today on, on the field you know, about the swing, and they said it's a little long right now. It's got some uppercut to it. And as he matures and hopefully gets comfortable, they can start to maneuver that swing to make him a little bit more uh, of a direct path guy to get to the baseball so he's not overmatched. Because there are some very important games within the next two weeks, and they need somebody like Kevin Smith to be more than just a, an at-bat. They, they cannot afford to have some empty at-bats in the lineup as they go down the, down the stretch in this thing. Last one before we let you go. Randall Grichuk not in the lineup tonight. Um, you know, I understand it's, you know, well, I was going to say it's righty, righty, but it is Chris Ellis. Uh, Randall Grichuk has not been a very good player offensively or defensively now for about six weeks. Um, any, any, any talk, any talk at all about, about why that is, Ben? I mean, I understand he's, you know, Randall Grichuk's, his numbers are what they are, right? And he's going to end up having a Randall Grichuk type of year, but... Boy, this is a bad time for him to disappear from this team. It is bad. Um, and maybe you can hide it now that George is coming back on the offensive side of things, which was also surprising that Grichuk was in, in the lineup today because he crushes the Orioles. I mean, crushes. Yeah, he does. That's right. Uh, I mean, he destroys the Orioles. So uh, having him out, I think, is a is a really good feel of where the Blue Jays, when it's time to sit down and make out this batting order where they feel Grichuk is at the plate right now. And got 21 career homers against the Orioles, by the way, his most against crushes. any team. I, I wasn't exaggerating. Crushes the Baltimore Orioles. 
But you know, Randall Randall had some batted bats and has had a pocket of batted bats right now, and it's not going very well. He was over-exceeding earlier in the year, much to his own surprise, when he thought he wasn't going to get any playing time. Now that he knows this playing time is nearing an end, uh, he was pressing a lot, and you could see. You could see those at-bats with runners in scoring position grinding on him and some other guys, but him especially in these last couple of weeks where he's just he's come up empty in some big situations, and... Uh, you know, this is the sacrifice. Drod Dyson goes over Randall Gritchick in the lineup. Go rest your voice, Ben. Look forward to your call. See you later, buddy. All right, guys. See ben. you in a couple, half an hour, I guess. Absolutely. Well done. Right. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays. 707 is the first pitch. Uh, we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock. As always, you can listen to Blue Jays talk immediately following the show only on Sportsnet 590. The fan and a reminder that you can uh, catch Blue Jays talk and Baseball Central wherever you get your favorite podcast, your favorite podcatcher, such as, for example, Stitcher. Hmm. Um, we really haven't talked about Gritchick all that much. We just we just touched on it a bit. Do you yeah. want to? Let's take a break and come back because I know you've got some thoughts on Randall Gritchick. Let's take a break and come back and uh, take a deeper dive into. What ails Randall Gritchick? This is Baseball Central, the pregame edition on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, so Randall Gritchick will not be in the starting lineup for the Blue Jays against a team that he's hit 21 career home runs off of against a pitcher, Chris Ellis. Making his second start, fourth major league appearance, second start. Is that right? There you go. Uh, a right-hander. Uh, Bark, in uh, his last 10 games, Randall Gritchick's OPS is 459. He's striking out 30% of the time. And, um, well, the defensive numbers, the defensive met- metrics aren't as good as they were earlier in the year as mm. well. Now, look, think about Randall Gritchick. Went into spring training. We were all convinced that he wasn't going to be an everyday guy because George Springer was going to be in the lineup. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. was going to be in the lineup. Tay Oscar was going to be in the lineup. Back then, we were wondering how the hell Rowdy Tellez and, and was how, how the hell his bat was going to get in the lineup. So we thought Randall Gritchick would be kind of a fourth guy. Quite frankly, we I think a lot of folks thought Randall Gritchick might be traded. Well, George Springer gets hurt. Randall Gritchick gets a job. Mm-hmm. And and runs with it and and has a terrific a terrific start to the year, but he's just Bark. He's just disappeared. And and you know we talked about not having George in the lineup. How the kids have had to step up, and I get all that. But man, Randall Gritchick could have. Th- this was such a good opportunity for him. Such a good opportunity. Yeah, I think that's him, a lot man. to ask. Yeah, it's a lot to ask. You know, August, you mentioned the numbers. His OPS is 577. He's hitting a buck 73. Occasionally, when you listen to Randall give, uh, you know, uh, interviews, sometimes it just sounds like, for me, he can't get out of his own way. It's always mechanically, I'm doing this. I'm not mm. doing this mechanically. I should be doing this. I should be looking for this. He's in his head. Why am He's I not doing head. that? Yeah. And you're seeing the the metrics of his defense, which is, Obviously, he is a much better right fielder than he is center fielder. Just jumps, routes, all the things that go into adding up to really good metrics when you're a center fielder. He just he doesn't really have that. But you're seeing him, you know, not real good on both sides of the ball for me. You know, he's a hard trier. 
He tries too hard when it comes to living up to his deal. You know, he gave him as much money as they gave him. Probably shouldn't have gave him that much, but they did. And now you got a guy there who's trying to live up to it, who probably has, you know, is I'm not saying it's not capable because we have seen him do it in short burst. But when it comes to a full season of having a, you know, a solid year, not a great year, not an awful year, a solid year where it's not a huge drop off from one month to the other. And just for me, it's, it's a lot of mechanical. It's a lot of, you know, for whatever reason, I just can't get past doing this mechanical. Instead of just going, I am what I am, it's me going up. What do I do best to plate? If I drive my back hip at the baseball, I get a good solid pitch to hit. I level out my swing. I try. I just think big part of the field, which is more right center than it is left center, that gives me a chance. And I got to be honest with you, them moving him to the eight spots not helping. It's you, a pretty, gotta, you, know, it's, you give a guy fifty million dollars, you put him in the eight spot. I'm not it's saying it's, it's not a pretty warranted. public, but it's a pretty yeah. public reflection of a you lack of confidence that, in a right. player. One thousand percent. And you don't think the player is going by the lineup card, going, "Are you kidding me?" Now I'm not saying it's not warranted, because one thousand percent it is. They have better options to hit in front of him, mm-hmm. but that hasn't helped. And all that accumulation of he ain't playing. You made a point about Randall very early in the year. Uh, about his his bat path. Can you just kind of revisit that right now? Because it's, it's become more obvious to me. Of course, once you say it, and I start watching for it, and then I start wondering, okay, am, am I convincing myself into seeing what I should see, or am I really seeing it? And I have to admit, like the last week, I'm going, but Barker was right. It's yeah, yeah. the same damn bat path. Well, I talk, I talk, swing lot, path. I talk a lot about weight on the inside part of your knees. I was, an, I was a, a guy that, that didn't do that. I was the guy that went outside my, the weight of my knee that created more of a uppercut, more than a typical left-hander has at a real issue of catching up to velocity inside, which is basically what Randall has. But he is a, for me, a guy who gets real stale at the plate, you know, he looks very statuesque. He'll go up to the plate. He'll set his angle, which is laying the barrel, you know, back behind his head. He mm-hmm. just stands there. There's no rhythm to help him get to his timing. And a lot of that for me is, you know, he has trouble his eyes directing the barrel where it needs to go. And he has the same plane a lot. That's why you see him miss a breaking ball by feet, not by inches, by feet. It's just because for me, it's very stale. It's very, you know no rhythm and timing to get something started. So, you know, that, that, the twitch of his hand where that last little, you know, that fighter's punch where it's that I'm going, I'm going to whack, I'm hitting mm-hmm. that. Well, hitting's no different. He, for me, just doesn't have a ton of that because of all the things to start his swing. And when he misses the ball as much as he does, then he steps out. He It puts doubt in his mind of now what do I sing, swing at? And then I start thinking about that instead of see ball, hit ball. Randall, for me, is a very simple guy. You try and simplify that as much as possible. Don't overthink it. You know, you you hear everybody in baseball. Some guys can handle all that thinking and all the metrics and what guys throw and when they throw it and how much they throw it and what he threw me three months ago. Mm-hmm. For me, that's not Randall. Like, Randall is see ball, hit ball in my area, and if I get it, I can't miss it. Yeah, we kind of saw that going back to when, remember when Josh was, everybody was trying to be Josh with the leg kick and everything like that, and Randall was... I can remember that. Yeah, I can remember that kick, too. Kick of the year. Yeah, but uh, Randall kind of, kind kind of adopted, kind of adopted that as 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 well. I mean, I, I think you're right. I I don't, I, I don't know what you do with him. To be honest, uh, I I really don't. You know, I, I to me, Alejandro Kirk deserves to hit higher up in the order than him based on what I've seen. 
you know, Randall right now for me, I, I, I'll look at this lineup. I, I don't know where else. Even if he was playing, even if he was playing tonight, if he'd probably be hitting. He'd probably be hitting eight or ninth for me tonight. Probably be hitting eighth for me tonight, and whoever's at third base would be ninth. Because I'd have Springer, Semyon, Guerrero, Bichette, Hernandez, Kirk, Dickerson, Grichuk, Smith. That would be it. I'd have, I'd have Grichuk in center. Yeah, you would almost say he against lefties, but he got no, he got a lower OPS against lefties at seven ten than he does against righties. Now, mm. obviously, he's probably not faced as many lefties as he has righties. He's got a better chance of that being a little higher. But point being is you can't force him in the lineup because he's better against lefties. So what you would tell you is it's performance-driven. Mm-hmm. This guy's performing better if he's a better defender. Gerard Dyson is, a, is an example of that. You know, cover more ground in the outfield. He's left-handed. adds a little bit more balance to the lineup because Randall is Randall right now. Randall's on the bench. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it, when a team is, when a team is going well – Think back to what we were saying when the Jays were on that run early in the year. We were saying, well, I mean, we were worried about lefty-righty balance. It's, it doesn't matter now. All their hitters are right-handed. And there's, there's no lefty hitter you're going you're gonna to put in to replace anybody. But once a lineup starts scuffling, you kind of do notice the lack of balance. Bless you. <clears throat> you kind of do notice the lack of balance, don't you? Well, I think it's it's you know you're trying to get as many hot as, as many people as hot at the plate as possible all at the same time, and to have a guy you, you know you you empty at bats. I think Ben just said that you can't have too many empty at bats at the bottom of the order just because now that Springer's in the lineup, you're getting guys that can't get on base, and you're hoping that you know Smith and Dyson can maybe work some counts, maybe a swinging bunt here and there, get a guy on, and Springer comes up who doesn't have to run the bases because he can get the foot down, squish the bug, go back leg city, and it's two nothing instead of one nothing. It's that kind of thing, and you know it may be a little bit of searching and some begging. I'm gonna get at I, least they're trying. I'm gonna get grief for this because people are gonna think that it's some sort of. Uh, deep-seated prejudice against Alejandro Kirk, who did get a big hit for this team in that series against... But before I, the, before, the, yeah. before you move on, if I told you that when, when the Blue Jays picked up Randall Gritchick, he would have 32, 29, and 21 homers, you'd go what? You would say what to me? It's quite a find. There you go. Like, we, it's, it's when you look at his numbers, you look at how many home runs he's hit, can you really argue with it? All right. Alejandro Kirk, because uh, if I don't say something good about Alejandro Kirk, people are going to hammer me for... I, 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 I keep telling people, I have no doubt that Alejandro Kirk can hit in the majors. Uh, I've, I have no doubt about it. I just don't know if he can be an everyday catcher. But you know what? He's, he's got me willing to see. He's got me willing to Not see. Not hitting cleanup. I know it worked out and he had a, he had a big one. Yeah, but that's... Again, you know, it's I, I I get, you know, what they're seeing and and what he's done in the big leagues, which the bat the ball skills and and being able to inside out velocity to the other side of the field with some authority don't come around every day, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're looking at that, but you know, it's the long season of one through 162 games. If he can contribute what to that, if he loses 25 or 30 pounds, he's got to, for me, he's got to get in better shape. It does look like he's lost some weight. Now I haven't done any digging on that to ask around and yeah, see, he, if, you know, if he stepped on a scale, but he has, if you look at him in a uniform, he does look different. Mm-hmm. 
which will tell you maybe he's trying. Maybe he sees he sees a window. Well, I'll tell you another huh. thing. I'll tell you another thing too. As as Russ Martin used to talk about, and and you would know this because you've been around clubhouses. Catchers do lose weight during the summer. Like it is, it's it's. You know, that, He's been that, hurt a lot, so you wouldn't give him that. But so but, they but would Ru- tell you. But some- Russ, yeah, Russ Martin always used to say, you know, you you, you basically at, at some point you got to sort of fatten, and Russ was not going to fatten himself up. But you are going to lose, you are going to lose weight, and you got to monitor that. And I'll tell you another guy, and I know we don't we don't generally say his name, but one of the things Greg Zahn talked about when he played, and I remember covering him with the Expos, he'd lose like 20, 25 pounds in the summer. He'd eat like a pig, but he would just lose, he'd lose. Too much weight. So, yeah, I would. I would think throughout the throughout the year, that's a good thing. The more you squat, the hard, you know, the less pressure that puts on your knees. And Russ and also used to talk about side to side. It's an easier thing. Russ also used to talk about going with a uh, going with a lighter bat too in the summer. Yeah, I've done that a bunch of times. You know, you, you use anybody's bat when you're struggling. I'm sure Randall Gritchick used everybody's bat. <laughs> So is Oscar Hernandez. You I wonder know, if there. I wonder if there are guys that are bat. saying, "No, don't use my bat. I don't want you to oh, use I'm my sure. bat." Uh, there's, well, guys there's, been, oh, there's been a ton of people that struggling walk up and want my bat. I'd, I'd hit them with it. Oh, <laughs> come on. you got to be a good teammate. Not a chance. you got to be a good teammate. I was trying to get to the big leagues. I didn't care if you got any hits or not. It's all about me, buddy. I was out of there. Uh-uh, oh, uh, come on. You I made more money in September than I'm making five months in the minor leagues. You own your own. Go buy you some new bats, buddy. <laughs> Get mine. So you mean if no, I, I'm not no team? If I'm your team, that team thing if, in the minor leagues don't work, buddy. Hate to break that news to you, dude. So if I if and I it, if we're playing for the Louisville bats and I'm a teammate and Bark, you're on a roll. You got like a you got a bit of a streak going, and I'm I'm scuffling. I go, hey Bark, let me use one of your I let me use trip, one of your toothpicks. You, I you'd would, be. I will. First of all, wasn't toothpick. It's a grown man bat. Uh-huh. I would trip you and punch you in the back of the neck and tell you to get out of here. Not a chance. No shot. Dude, that doesn't work that way. That's sorry. That's mean. Well, you know. But even okay, now we're in the majors. So you're in the majors. You're in the yeah, majors. You got you got you get like a million okay, bats if, a year. Is, if is, I'm Kevin Smith, yeah. nobody's getting my bat. If I'm George Springer, established, you know, back the brink struck up, you can have whatever bat you want. All right. Okay. That's, that's the fine. difference. Okay. I was gonna. If I'm Kevin, that's kind of where I was going. That's where I was going. If I I'm thought, Kevin Smith. I'm hiding my bats behind my clothes in my locker. I find old sweet one. You ain't getting it. Sorry. <laughs> that thing just tends to find the baseball. No, you ain't taking that one because they're not going to take the one standing up that you use in batting practice. They ain't going to take that one. They're going to take the one that's your gamer. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. All right. I just assumed that because you know you always hear. You know, FP Santangelo told the story about Vladdy Sr. Vladdy Sr. would just grab somebody's bat. You'd go to the rack and go, okay, <laughs> guess she's trying mine up. Well, fair, that's that's people's first mistake is to put their bats in the bat rack. You never do that either. When you're a hot guy, you never do that in the minor, especially in the no, minor leagues, the big leagues. This. If you have any bats and you're hot at, you, at one time, why do you think Vladdy takes his bats at the end of the at the end of the dugout? Are you serious? I hadn't noticed they that. Don't want nobody gets the K. Are you serious? He takes his bat to the end of the dugout. He doesn't leave it in the bat rack. You don't watch the games, do you? Well, I mean, I'm not. I, I do, but I just, you know, I. I give you. I give it to you. you this. Know, I mean, I know you guys know? sleep with their bats and all that. Yes, but... that's extreme things. You you ask you ask <laughs> you ask like any golfer. 
who, who has a driver that just every time they swing it, that ball just feels, you can't even feel it. Like, it just comes off that club like, oh, boy, are you kidding me? And then somebody walks up to him and goes, hey, can I use that? Well, that's different. Well, that's different. That different. Well, that's different because you're you're. That is not be, be, different. Be, because you're because you're because you're a golfer and and, and you're not on a team. Oh and that's, my gosh! That's you know uh, not a chance. The guy that is going to you know use your club could be a guy that kicks your ass in the East West Chester North South Classic the next day or something like that. Right. So okay, I got to watch that now. Who was the guy? Oh God, I wish we had more time. Ninety seconds. Who is the major league guy you played with who just who guarded his bats like like they Jer were? Gold? Jeremy Burnett's is one guy. Jeff Jenkins was another guy who I used to try and steal Jeff Jenkins's bats all the time, and he would always he would always hide them and not let me have them. And because okay. we were sort of the same hitter, and I used to try and you know sort of be like him. He was established, made some money, and. You know, I had the leg And he was a good, was you a, liked him as a teammate. Not he was really. A, I thought you liked I Jeff I'm Jenkins. Just I'm just kidding. Jesus, I got a list of guys you like and don't like, and yeah. he was on your like list. Yeah, well, the list that I like was real small. But, yeah, that is true. <laughs> I can't believe it. you think just people, oh, willy-nilly, here, take mine up. I'm raking. How about they break it? Well, no, no I'm, I'm not, not saying you're. I'm not saying you're gamer, but I mean, if you got another well, which, bat. Which one you think they're going to take? I guess. The dented one that don't got no hits in it? My gosh. So everybody watch tonight and see if Vladdy takes his bats down to the end of the dugout. I come on. I've learned something today. I really have. I've learned how selfish major league ball players can be. Especially the ones that haven't made any money. <laughs> 707 is the first pitch. Ben Wagner will have the call of the game for you. We'll be back tomorrow from five to seven. Thanks for joining us. I still think that's really, really selfish. On baseball central. Sportsnet 590, fan.